What's up everybody? This week I'm joined by Sarah to talk about a Christmas movie which shows how serial killers are created. Home alone. That and a whole lot more is to come because maybe, why yes, I will keep the change even though I'm not a filthy animal. Welcome to the show. You know, I'm recording this right now, and I don't have the bad joke in my mind, so I can't make extra commentary from it. Oh, well. What a pity. <laughs> Never mind. How is everybody doing on this fine Sunday? I got Sarah with me. How you doing, Sarah? I'm good, honey. How are you? I'm really going good, darling. Uh, <laughs> Such a mess. I know, right? It's 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 fine. Uh, so, welcome to Sunday. Welcome to our regularly scheduled programming. And, yeah, this week we're going to be talking about Home Alone, the classic Christmas movie that is half soul, half Ferris Bueller, half insanity. Would you agree or would you not agree? I would agree that's an extra half. That's an extra half. Okay, but before we get into that, guys, check out becausemaybenetwork.com. That's where you'll find all of our information. Of course, go to our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram. And, of course, check out bit.ly slash bmn-newtube. Newtube, YouTube even. That's <laughs> <laughs> Newtube even. That's where you will find our video game walkthroughs and our channels and our extra bonus content and whatever. Yep, yep. And of course if this is not where you look us up on regular podcasting places, check out I haven't got my list in front of me, so if I can do it. Uh-huh. Podbean. Uh-huh. Spotify. Yes. Stitcher. iHeartRadio. Tune in. Podbean. Podchaser and Pandora. You said Podbean twice. Did I say Podbean twice? Oh, well, I don't have the list in front of me, but that's okay. Yes, I found go. I found out this week. <clears throat> so good, we named it twice. So good, we named it twice. I found out this week that we're on Pandora. Woohoo! Yeah, do you know how I found out? I didn't get an email welcoming me into the fold. Yeah. I literally looked up Pandora as a giggle to see if I were on there, and guess what? We're on there. So if you listen to Pandora, find us there. Wonderful, wonderful marketing from these people. And of course, the other one was YouTube. That's the one I was missing. Yes. Okay, so... We're going to dive right into it, are we not? Hey, dude, I'm here. You're here. All right. So, Home Alone. What what did you think of Home Alone when you first saw it? The first time you ever saw it. Oh, gosh. Um, I thought that that poor kid had the worst siblings and cousins ever. Yeah. Um... I thought the spider should have bitten Pesci in the face. <laughs> and um, I thought that uh, uh, surely, you know, like, the parents couldn't be that bad, could they? And then now that I'm watching it as a parent, I'm like, oh, yeah, they're yeah, that bad. They, they are that bad. Yeah, they're that they, bad. Hang, they are that bad. Hang on one second. My apologies. I lost a squiggle or two. Okay, Apologies. one, two. One, two, one, two. Hello. Did you know that that is, the, uh, that is International Rody Day, January 2nd? Really? Off every first, depending if you live in, the, in Europe. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> but no, you're right. The, the, they are horrible parents and a horrible family. Yes. They, they are. I mean, you know, we'll get into it here in a few minutes, but my God, they're a horrible family. I mean, the family's awful, right? The family yes. is awful. And you only got to look at the house that they live in for a start. Yeah. Now, as an adult, like, how... A four-story, yeah. uh, at least six-bedroom. Yeah. With kitchen, separate dining room. 
two living spaces that are spacious enough. Am I jealous? Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> but I mean, what? It's the same thing with all John Hughes movies. Like, what did they do to get all that money? I mean, he, uh, this is what I said when we were watching it. She Insider looks, trading. Probably. She looks like she does real estate and he looks like he sells yes. pharmaceuticals. Probably, yes. <laughs> and uh, we ain't talking about, you know, Tylenol, everybody. That kind of pharmaceuticals, yeah. You're horrible. He, he's selling the hard stuff. No, he's, he's selling Rogaine. Rogaine. And... <laughs> Rogaine accessories. Oh, uh, So, before we get into the movie, let's talk about the nerd, nerdy nerd stats for everybody. This is what I put down for genre, Okay. It is a Christmas mm-hmm. comedy, mm-hmm. slapstick, and horror movie all yes. rolled into one. I'm this sorry. Is correct. It is. We, we pass it off as this charming little scamp running around beating up the burglars who rob his house. But when you, it's terrifying. When you look at it now as an adult, you're like, oh, shoot. Uh-huh. You know? It was uh, directed by Christopher Columbus, which is outstanding that he was still alive at that point. Right. Considering he sailed from Spain in 1492. Uh, now, yes. this is the good Christopher Columbus that we all like. Yes, um, the one that directed Harry Potter. Yes, the first two Harry Potters. Yes. This was written and produced by the legendary John Hughes. Yes. Uh, who produces through Hughes Entertainment and distributed by 20th Century Fox. Mm-hmm. It was released in November 1990. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know. It did uh, $477 million at the box office for a total profit of $459 million. Right. But however... History has not been kind on this movie. Um, five years ago, I looked at this, and the rating was something like 85%. Mm-hmm. Now it's down to like 74 overall. Well, yeah, because everybody who watched it grew up and realized what shit, shit horrible parents. <laughs> That's Sorry. a paddling. Right? That's a paddling. What horrible parents those were. And yeah, no, mm-mm. It didn't age well. No, it, 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 I don't think... Uh, yeah, I, I... Now I understand... There's a lot of John Hughes movies, though, that have not aged well. Yeah, but this didn't age well for different reasons. Right. I mean, this didn't age well because the people who, who it was marketed to grew up, watched it again, and went, oh, God. Right. You know, not, okay, this is the thing. The boring part of the movie, as we called it, mm-hmm. was a fine Christmas movie. It's just like, you know, 25 right. of the 35 minutes at the end. Right. You know, so... How did this movie come about? Because uh, it's a very interesting story. I Hit mean, me. So John Hughes was planning a family vacation. All right. And, you know, he was writing his to-do list and everything. Mm-hmm. And he wrote, oh, crap, make sure kids in the van. Right? Right. Because he he unintentionally thought, oh, crap, I'm going to leave the kids at home if I don't follow through the checklist. Right. Right. Sounds like a a man of my, uh, <laughs> right? Yeah. So he he he, you know, being a creative mind that he was, that that thought kind of occupied his mind, and he sat down and wrote eight pages of a treatment before Fabulous. he started writing the script. He thought, okay, right. I've got my you know my thing up. He knew that his kids were terrified of burglars, right? Out of, out of everybody to be terrified, burglars. So that's where the idea of a burglary gone wrong came into the plot. Mm-hmm. You know, um. And we watched a we watched a documentary on Netflix a couple of years a couple of months ago actually. What was it? The movies that made us. Yes. And Home Alone was one of the episodes. Yes. And we watched that, and yeah. that was actually a really really good documentary. That's sort of what what prompted us into doing this yeah. episode. Right. And it was Christmas. Yes. You know, we, we're going on that. Um, so what happened was is that they went to, to Warner, and Warner said we'll do it for ten million dollars. Which back in nineteen ninety. $10 million was a chunk of change for a movie. Well, nothing to sneeze at. No, I mean... They would have okay. been able to use that house. Right? But, I mean, <laughs> equivalently, this would have been a movie like... I don't know. Just... 
some Monday movie that we get coming out now. Not one full of action and stunts, you know. Okay. More like a Kevin Smith style movie as right. opposed to, you know, an action right. movie that this became. Um, but Hughes wasn't thrilled about the strict budget and had a couple of dinners with folks from Fox. That's a no-no. Yeah, which he... That's acci- paddling. Which he accidentally... Wink uh-huh. left a copy of the script at the restaurant with the Fox executive. Oh no! And the Fox executive, being a nice, nice, lovely gentleman, decided to pick it up. You know, he read it because he was curious, but you know, he turned it into Lost and Found after uh-huh. reading it and uh-huh. taking copies of it. Yeah, and, you know, yeah, whatever it is that they do. And basically, put after building the movie in the movie set, which was built in a high school, by the way, which I didn't know that was in a gym yeah. in the swimming pool, which yeah. was fantastic. All the interior shots. Jim and swimming pool. That that house is not what it looks like on the inside. Right. Or it might it might look like that on the inside. We don't know because they just didn't film all that. Yeah. Yeah. So you know they they uh, the budget grew to fourteen million and Warner said nope we're done we ain't doing this cut it production over mm-hmm. right and he was on the rights to the movie so give Fox the first option and within twenty four hours it's like it's like nothing had happened. Right. The, it, it, the only difference was is the suits who were there from Warner left and the suits who were there from Fox showed up. Right. Right. And they said, you know what? We can't make this film for $10 million. We can't make it $14 million. Here's a check for $18 million. Don't go over. Right. And that's, you know, that's how they, they did it. Um, and I've got a name written here called Patrick Reed Johnson. Are you familiar with who that is? No. Okay. I should have maybe put that in my notes before. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, in in the meantime... Who is Patrick Reed Johnson? Patrick Reed Johnson is a director. Right. Wasn't that who Hughes wanted to originally direct the movie? He did. He did. But I'm assuming that Mr. Johnson was unavailable. He was unavailable. Probably because he was recording the likes of... He was filming. Okay, we're back. I'm sorry about that. I had to look that up because I thought I wrote it down. I know he did Baby's Day Out, right? But that wasn't done at the same time as Home Alone because Home Alone was done in in 1990 and Baby's Day Out wasn't until 94. So that would be... Uh, but he actually turned this down because he wanted to do Space Invaders. Do you it, remember the Space it, Invaders movie? That or, like? No, he was, either that or he was working on dinosaurs already. Yeah, he might have been working on dinosaurs, but he, he specific, specifically turned this down because he was doing the movie Space Invaders. Mm. Which is, you know, wow. I mm-hmm. mean, it's it's yeah, uh, it's like the McBain movie in The Simpsons where, uh, you know, uh, Troy McClure turns it down to do his own handwritten movie. Right. <laughs> so, you know. Right. Um. So he was unavailable, and he turned to Chris Columbus. Yes. Now I didn't know this. Uh, Chris Columbus was originally supposed to direct the Christmas Vacation movie. Yes, but he didn't get along with Chevy Chase, right? In sh- shock news, actor slash crew member does not get along with Chevy Chase. Ooh. Also, water is wet. Yes, tune in at eleven. Right? right. Um. So what Columbus did is he saw the script, he saw what was going on, and he wanted to add a little bit of his touch on that. And the uh, All Mine Molly storyline. Yeah, he added that in there, right? That. Yeah. Right, for a better, you know, emotional punch. Which, looking at it, what were they going to do without it? I mean, it's not, okay, it's not a major plot line of the movie, but... But like, it helps. It, it helps it, tug the heartstrings a little yeah. bit, yeah. Tug the heartstrings. I was almost in tears the other night when we watched this. Oh, because you're a wuss. Oh, thanks, You sap. Th- thanks, thanks, Dal. Any, anytime, <laughs> you filthy animal. Oh. Um, <laughs> but, um... So oh, they probably, they what I put up with. 
what what she puts up with. That's right. What she puts That's up with. That's right. Yeah. Um, so Macaulay Culkin was always going to be Kevin McAllister. Mm-hmm. He was the first choice. But Chris Columbus felt that he needed just to see a couple of other kids. Right. Just, just to make sure. Just to make sure. Mm-hmm. And a couple of other kids turned into 250. Right. And he said, yep, you're right. Culkin's it. Culkin, Culkin's the guy. Right. Uh, now, I read this and I laughed. Mm-hmm. I actually guffawed when I read this. Excuse the $10 word there. You guffawed? Guffawed. Do you think... Mm-hmm. Okay, we watched a thing on Iron Man last night, right? Right. And they said how t- nobody else in the world could have played Tony Stark other right. than Robert Downey Jr., right. right? And to me, nobody else could have played Kevin other than Macaulay Culkin. Right. Nobody mm-hmm. else could have played uh, Harry other than Joe Pesci, right? They screen tested John Lovitz and Robert De Niro. I could see De Niro doing it. I, could I see... actually could see De Niro doing it, but John Lovitz? Um... Maybe. That voice, that voice wouldn't have done it. Plus, we saw a few years later, unfortunately, and I don't mean this in a bad way, he and Daniel Stern had about as much chemistry as me in a cup. Oh, this is true. In City Slickers 2, you know? Um, yeah. Even though their characters were supposed to dislike each other or not like each other that right. much, you know, it, did, it didn't work. But, um, you know, Joe Pesci was difficult to work with at that time. No. Well, he couldn't swear. Which right, really right. The, 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 was well, like, not, yeah. even on the set, he couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, he, he agreed not to do it. And plus, he was like walking up at seven o'clock every day on his way to the golf course. Yeah. And in the end, he grabbed like a director by the th- a producer by the throat and said, "Don't wake me up before my morning round of golf." Right. Which golf's a boring game anyway. I don't know why you wake up that early to play golf. Play in the afternoon, like the rest. Of the right. Of the play with a windmill and a little. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, as I mentioned, Daniel Stern was cast as Marv. But he walked out like a day into the production. Mm-hmm. They after Fox took over, they increased the uh, production time from uh, thirty days to six weeks. Right, and he said, "Cool, so am I getting an extra half on my rate?" And right, they laughed at it, but he said, "All right, bye." Because I mean, it's a fair point. If you're working, right, if you're working extra time, you get extra money. Yeah, point I mean, blank. If he was paid a hundred grand, he just wants an extra fifty grand, which right? Is half half of what his rate right. was. So, you know, they brought in Daniel Roebuck, who I have no idea who it is. Right. I, um, he's probably probably very nice gentleman. Probably a well-respected actor. Mm-hmm. Never heard of him. I probably would know him by face, but I don't know the name. Right. So, um, he didn't he didn't really gel with Pesci again. Mm-hmm. So, Daniel Stern was convinced to come back. They gave him a little bump in pay. They put him and Pesci in a room for a little while, and they had the chemistry that they needed. Right. But, I mean, like I said, they, they could not swear... And that was a very, very, very hard thing for the pair of them to keep up with. You know, they just... Megan, you know Daniel Roebuck. Do I? Yes. Okay. Hang I, on. Again, I might not know the name, but if you show me the face, I might know him. Yeah, you'll know him. Hang on one second. I mean, he's a character actor. He's not like a big draw name, but he's... He's one of those guys you know if you look at him as opposed to know the name, right? Right. Okay. Right, right, right. So, my apologies to uh, Mr. Roebuck. Again, sorry for not knowing your name. Mm-hmm. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know what? Who who was part of this movie? Who mm. we all know and love? Mm. Mr. Jonathan Candy, Esquire. Hell yes. The man. Yes. Oh my god. He he, he took uh, Sagrate to do this movie. Right. On the condition that uh, he was allowed to improvise. Yes. And all of his lines, uh, John Hughes, Chris Columbus, and uh, Catherine O'Hara have all confirmed... Mm-hmm. That his lines were basically, 
you have to talk about this, go ahead and do it, which is like where the, the funeral home story comes from at the end yes. of the movie. And every time she talks, to, every time she talks to him in the movie, she kind of looks like, what the hell are you saying? <laughs> you know, but I think that made the character. Right. I don't think you could have written any of that. Um, the problem with the high school mm-hmm. that they recorded in is that they couldn't really do stunt work. Right. At the level that they needed to do. Right. Um, Joe Pesci almost bit Macaulay Culkin's finger off for real. Oh, no. In a take. Yeah. In fact, uh, Culkin still has a scar on his hand, according to uh, research. Oh, dear. And a lot of the, the, the bumping stunts that they did, mm-hmm. they did without safety harnesses. Now, this was 1990, and, you know, stunt men were like, I'll do it live. Screw it. Right. But nowadays, you know, health and safety would have shut that down immediately. OSHA would have handled that mess, yes. OSHA would have come in with a flamethrower like, move! Right? right? <laughs> they so, just barred Kevin's flamethrower. It was a, it was a blowtorch. Uh-huh. Because every family has an antique blowtorch just laying around. Of course they do. Yeah. Oh, and, we'll, that, and that many mannequins. Yeah, oh, we'll get into all of that here in a minute. Okay. Um... So the cast, as we know, Kevin McAllister is played by Macaulay Culkin. The main three characters are Kevin McAllister, Harry Marv, played by Culkin, Pesci, and Stern, respectively. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had Catherine O'Hara as Kate McAllister. Mm-hmm. John Hurd was Pete McAllister. Uh, the, I guess the next member of the family was David R- Rattray. R- my apologies, I can't see it. Rattray. Rattray, excuse me, as Buzz. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had John Candy as Gus Polinsky. And Robert Blossom as Old Man Molly. Yes. So that's basically the main cast. You don't really need to know who played Uncle Frank, for example. Because yeah, that, that guy's a douche. You know? <laughs> and and because it's Christmas, and we're talking about this, and you, every time you say Old, old Man Marley... Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> I'm both at the end. Um, uh, but yeah, so that is the background of the movie. Now, yes. If you all watched our Lion King episode... Yes. Aside from the uh, very, very meandering tangents that we took along some of the discussion, mm. um, basically we spent more of the time talking about the plot than the, than, than the background of it. So we're going to go ahead through the plot, basically scene by scene. Okay. And we're going to add our uh, thoughts to what happened in that scene in the sense of, eh, of ridiculousness. Or, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for? In the sense of ridiculousness, sublime, or right. just, just our commentary, our thoughts on it. Right. So... The movie opens up with this fantastic... Uh, gorgeous house. Not just the gorgeous house, like the, the opening scene where the house is like going on in the background. Mm-hmm. Now, first first thought, the house that they use in the image right. looks nothing like the house that they used in the movie. Right. I mean, they could have animated the house to look similar to the house that they... But it didn't. It just looked like a standard check. Anyway, uh, the McAllister family are preparing to spend Christmas in Paris, France. Yes. At Peter McAllister's brother's house. Yes. There are 15 people in the house where eight-year-old Kevin finds himself the subject of ridicule by his cousins and his siblings. As there is chaos all around, everyone is ignoring the local Chicago PD officer doing a round of community service checks. At this moment, you see how awful the McAllister family is. Yes. From all sides. We're just talking about Kevin, right? Kevin's being a brat. Kevin's being a brat, but everyone's being a brat. Mm -hmm. The adults are ignoring Mm -hmm. a Joe Pesci lookalike police officer. Correct me if I'm wrong. If there was a cop standing in our hallway, somebody'd be talking to him, right? Right. Who let him in? Somebody must have let the dude. He didn't just walk into the house. Right. Probably one of the kids. And they didn't run and say, "Hey, there's a cop down here." Right. Or they might have, and nobody was listening because all of the all of the parents suck. Uncle Frank's wife didn't suck as much. Mm. As much. Okay. Yeah. 
So as Peter and Kate are packing their belongings, Kevin complains that he can't watch a movie. And after being told to pick up his micro machines, his aunt Leslie asks him to pack his suitcase. Panicked, he asks all of his siblings to help him, all of which make fun of him and refuse to help. Kevin is also taunted that his cousin Fuller, who will be sharing a large pull-up bed with him, has drank a lot and has a bedwetting problem. So, what kind of what kind of person? When you were eight years old, did you have a pack a suitcase? When you were eight years old, did you even pack a backpack? <laughs> well, I mean, I had, but well, yeah, in general. No, I mean, I wouldn't let our eight-year-olds, when we had eight-year-olds, pack their own suitcase. They'd have packed all kinds of crap. You wouldn't let your 36-year-old pack a suitcase. That's right. I pack (laughs) all the suitcases, yo. Um, They all make make fun of him, too. Like, uh, he was the French, say, les incompetents. Les incompetents. Now, I speak about as much French as this microphone does. Mm -hmm. You speak a little French. What does that mean? Does that mean you're incompetent? Yes. Okay. I thought it did, but, you know. Um, Also... Way to make fun of two cousins, two little cousins at once. Haha, ha. he right. bed and you got to sleep with him. Like, these are just awful kids. Right. We have awful kids. <laughs> but not in that... Oh my god, yeah, it's just... Uh, so, Kevin goes to his oldest brother, Fra- uh, Frank, oldest brother Buzz, <laughs> and asks if he can share a room for the night. Mm-hmm. Buzz laughs it off, but he hears a noise outside. Mm-hmm. Now, let me pause for a second. He hears a noise from outside. His window is closed. Mm. There's chaos in the house. And the window is not straight ahead of him. It's to the left. And it's dark outside. Mm, well, it's possible. It's possible? Okay. Anyway, outside is their, old, is their next door neighbor, Old Man Marley. Uh, and he starts to shovel the sidewalk with salt outside, right? Mm-hmm. Buzz tells Kevin and their cousin Rob... That he is the South Bend Shovel Slayer, who was rumored to have murdered his family and half the people on a block in 1958. Mm-hmm. Buzz tells him that he salts the neighborhood sidewalks with what remains of his victims. Mm-hmm. And Buzz is explaining that all the salt turns the bodies into mummies. Ooh. Now, Rob must have been laughing at this. But Kevin absolutely terrified at this Because he's eight. <laughs> that would scare the pants out of me at eight, too. But it's... It, okay, it's alluded to later in the movie, right? That there are rumors about the dude. Right, who, right, who, right. Know, and just like... <laughs> I would not... This is the, this is a great quote, too, right? I would not let you sleep in my room if you were growing on my... <laughs> <laughs> Right. Buzz is the big brother of big brother in the world. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. And he gets his. And it's so awesome. Oh, God. But, um, yeah, that's just... just, Right. And then while all this is going on, of course, if you've got this many children in a house, somebody's going to be complaining that they're hungry. Yeah. So during the commotion, a local pizza delivery guy shows up with supper, which is taken by the family. And again, the officer and now the pizza guy are ignored. (laughs) Pete's dude just like pay me bro out in the kitchen Kevin is looking for his pizza when he asks where it is Buzz loudly boasts that it has been eaten and if he wants some he'll gladly barf it up that scene as an adult just made me what a dick I would guy. have beat his butt after seeing Fuller drinking more and Buzz fake throwing up Kevin snaps and tackles Buzz knocking drinks in the pizza and almost destroying the plane tickets and passports he covers everything with milk Kevin's ticket is thrown in the trash accidentally. Now, that was pointed out by, um, it's either how it should have ended or Cinema Sins. One of them pointed out that he threw it in there. Okay. Right? 
And I didn't notice that, like, in the hundred times I saw it before the other day. So I specifically watched to see... And see, I never picked up on that. It was there. But that explains why they didn't notice when they got on yeah. the thing, because there wasn't an extra ticket. Exactly. So, you know, um, we've, we've told kids that, guys, if you have a young child who's mm-hmm. a middle child or the youngest child, and they have siblings who wind them up all the time and just pick at them, eventually they will tackle them. Yes. Yes. Sometimes it happens at eight years old. Sometimes it happens at 15 years old, but eventually... They will come after you like Pumbaa. It'll be like a cross between Pumbaa and the water boy. Yes. You know? (laughs) This is true. Um, But, okay. Here's my question, right? They ordered 10 pizzas to feed 15 people. Mm Mm-hmm. Surely. They got more than one cheese pizza. They got more than one cheese pizza. Mm -hmm. Unless they bought 15 pepperoni pizzas. And if that's the case, just... Take the pepperonis off. Yeah. I, I, and, and that much who eats milk with pizza at night Ugh. who eats milk with pizza anyway aside from well no she wanted them to go ahead and drink the milk up so it wasn't oh, left yeah, in that's the fridge right. that's remember right. I remember that line because yeah. they yeah so it was going to be perishables left in the fridge so that made sense okay that, yeah now now you tell me that yeah that, that, yeah I remember that line got drink the milk before okay and then yeah okay okay I got you I got you I got you but um yeah, I mean, just, you know, after after everything goes down, Kate starts yelling at him. Because, you know, yelling an eight-year-old in front of 14 other people is, 13 yeah, other that'll people do it. is a great way to boost their self-esteem, right? Um, but, you know, to his, to his I, I guess, okay, living in... He's done. Living, he's, he's, he's an eight-year-old. He's having a meltdown. Yeah, he's having a meltdown. He basically said, you know, he rants about he hates pizzas with toppings and he hates living there. And Uncle Frank just has had enough of this crap. And basically says... You little jerk. Yeah, he says yeah. this. Look what you did, you little jerk. Shout out to Dexter for that. Uh, <laughs> one of Kevin's older brothers then calls him a disease. Um, and basically the angry mar- angry marches Kevin off to bed on the third floor. Yeah. Finally. Yeah. Finally, finally, finally. Somebody talks to Joe Pesci. <laughs> there, was a, there was a brief moment where the dad spoke to him on the way down and Buzz kind of takes him away because... Fathers always listen to their sons when they talk to a police officer. Uh-huh, yeah. And, you know, basically they, they speak to the pizza guy. Right. And explains all their plans to Joe Pesci. Now, pause for a second. Uh-huh. What is the first thing, if a cop is about to walk into your house, what is the first thing you ask them, even if they're in uniform? You got a badge? You got some ID? Correct, Amanda. Not a single person has asked for this guy's badge number, ID number. Yeah, we've been trained by law and order, though. These people were not trained by law and order. We've been trained by cops. We've been trained by popular culture. These, if it was back pl- in 19... Okay, they were rich white folks in 1990. All right, fair enough. All right, fair let's enough. back up for a minute. I mean, their yeah, their I, Caucasian was, was showing. I was in uniform. I get that. I've just watched yes. enough episodes of The Bill... And I understand that, but they were affluent Caucasian people in 1990. In Illinois. Yes. Okay. Okay. They weren't, you know, they were, they were, they weren't in Chicago. They were in the suburbs of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Okay. I understand that. Um, so she pays the pizza guy a hundred and yeah. $117 plus tip. That's a lot of money for a lot of pizza. Yeah. I think she gives him like 150 bucks and tells him to keep the change. Uh, you filthy animal. <laughs> I will get to that here in a minute. So Kate marches him off to bed. Right. And, uh, Oh, sorry. I skipped over everything. Not my apologies. All right. Uh, she's talking to the police. Right. Police officer. Right. She pays the pizza guy. All right. And officer says, "Don't worry about it. We're on it. We l- there's a few people on this block going away. We're running patrols. 
Nothing's gonna be not gonna happen to your house. And he smiles at her. Now he's got a gold tooth. Yes. And Kevin picks up on the gold tooth, but we don't understand why he picks up on the gold tooth just yet. Yes. Now my first thought when seeing this movie because I knew who Joe Pesci was. I'd seen a commercial right. for Casino, I think it was. All right. Why is the bad guy playing a cop? You know. Right. Not, not the bad guy in the movie, but it's like you know when you see when you first saw De Niro in Meet the Falkers, for example. Right. 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 You know, why is he playing a comic role? Right. Um. So he smiles, flashes the gold tooth, marches him off to bed. Okay. So at this point, you know, Kate is flustered. She's trying to herd cats, basically. And she's getting Kevin to sleep on the third floor in his playroom. Excuse me, yeah, third story in his playroom. He yells at her and wishes that his family would just disappear and he would be happy. After asking him to apologize, you don't really mean that. Yes, I do. Well, you know, you better be careful because you're yeah, going to say that. Sure. Yeah, and, and, and then we could all disappear. Well, good. I hope you do. Yeah. Right. And he stomps off to bed because he's an eight-year-old having a meltdown. He's an eight-year-old having a meltdown. He's an overstimulated. Hell, everybody in that house is overstimulated. He's an eight. He's an overstimulated eight-year-old having a meltdown. Well, not just that. The casualty of everybody calling him a disease. Yeah. And Buzz acting out in front of the parents. And it's like. Yeah, I would have had words with everybody. Not that Kevin was correct and how in, in his behavior but you don't talk to children anyway it's again this is why these are bad parents it's, and horrible, it's horrible parents horrible parents and horrible people yeah i do not feel sorry for them in the slightest you know at all no 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 anyway so kind of like right now there was a bad storm coming through mm-hmm. and most of the neighborhood loses power and phones mm-hmm. that's important see kids back in the day telephones were attached to the wall in your house yes right and that's the only telephones that you had and basically put, they lose power and they lose most of the phone lines. Mm-hmm. So the McAllisters wake up late for their flight and they basically spend the next 20 minutes just like commotion city. Right. right? Um, so they, they instead of looking at the kids and, you know, calling everybody out, they do a head count. Yes. And one of the neighbor kids gets... Accidentally counted. Accidentally counted, right? Right. And so, you know, the family runs runs to the airport... Barely making the flight, they had forty-five minutes to get from down to get from the suburban. Sh- I've sh- been sh- in O'Hare. That's <laughs> insane. They made it in forty-five minutes, but then again, this was the nineties where you could take, a, you know, what did George Carlin say? You could take a, take a, a, a knife, a, a straight razor, right? a knitting yeah. needle, and yeah. all the, the people would say is you got to put that into the, under the seat in front of you, you right? Know? Yeah. Um, but th- there's a very very interesting plot point, and I forgot this when we we read about it. The guy. Who's okay? The family dismissed the power guy, right? Uh-huh. And I don't mean like you've done your job; you may leave. The power guy is coming to the homeowner, explaining that their power is now fixed, but there's this real, real bad problem with the phone lines. Right now, I'm bringing this up because this this does tail into it, right? Okay. And they're just like, oh yeah, okay, bye 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 bye, you know. Because it's not gonna b- b- bother them; they're not gonna be there. Yeah, but again, the rudeness of these people. Oh my god, I hate this family. Right? Okay, so after they've, you know, run through O'Hare like Mary Poppins dragon flying children <laughs> behind her, um, Kevin wakes up, and after several minutes, he realizes that he made his family disappear. I made my family disappear. disappear. And then he does that weird thing with his yes. Overjoyed, Kevin starts jumping on the beds, eating junk food, breaking into Buzz's footlocker, containing Playboy magazines, firecrackers, and a picture of Buzz's girlfriend... Which is horrible. I'll, I'll, I'll point that yeah. out here in a minute. Sledding down the stairs and watching the mobsters movie Angels with Filthy Souls. Okay, so trivia time. 
trivia time. Um, they filmed Angels with Filthy Souls specifically for Home Alone. Yes. Like that that doesn't exist yeah. elsewhere. They, they in both Home Alone movies that we count because yeah. the other three don't count as far as right. I can say. They filmed literally. They filmed two scenes of Angels with Filthy Souls and Angels with Filthier, Filthier Souls, souls. And right? Specifically for these two scenes, right? Um, I love that. This is my favorite movie and movie that I've ever seen in my life, right? Ever. Yeah, keep the change of filthy keep animal. The change your filthy animal. Right. So during the violent scenes, though, because this is a movie that he had wanted to see the night before yeah, that he this couldn't is what see. Uncle, this is what right. Uncle Frank told him he couldn't yeah. watch. And so, but during the violent scenes, he calls for his mother. He calls for his mommy. Right. Yes. Now, a couple of things here, right? Yeah. Buzz's Foot Locker. Yeah. We mentioned Buzz's Foot Locker, mm-hmm. right? Number one, Buzz is, what, 14 at the most? 13, Fif- 13 thir- to 15, right? Yeah. What thir- Speaking as a dude, what 13 to 15-year-old keeps his porno mag at the top of the Foot Locker? That goes underneath all, like, the Batman and stuff like that, right? Mm. Number two, we mentioned Buzz's girlfriend, Mm-hmm. Now, the person in the photograph mm-hmm. is a dude. Ah. They put the dude in a wig. Gotcha. So that when they made the uh joke, right. it wasn't right. you know, it wasn't supposed to be making fun of the person in the thing. Right. They literally made somebody dress up clown wise. Right. For gotcha, it. gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Now the bit that I'm worried about though is when he goes down the stairs on his sled. Yeah, because the door is off center, <laughs> and so how he did it without smacking, I don't know. But uh, yeah, see the things you notice when you actually watch a movie, you know, right? So over the Atlantic Ocean, mm-hmm. Kate McAllister wakes up, and she's you know kind of uneasy. She talks to Peter, right? And she's asking, "Did you turn the coffee pot?" Her off? mom door is going off. Did you turn the coffee pot off? It's like, did I turn the coffee pot off? He goes, "No, you didn't." I, I did. did. Right. Did I lock the doors? No. I did. I did. did you shut the garage? That's it. Damn it. I didn't shut the garage. We're okay. And she's like, no, I, I just... And then she realized at 40,000 feet halfway across the Atlantic Ocean yep. that her youngest child, mm-hmm. who legally should not be in the house by himself, correct, is home alone. Now, Uncle Frank, Peter, and Aunt Leslie are trying to comfort her. She realizes that she's a bad mother. Only took yes. her eight years to figure right. it out. And Uncle Frank is the line of the, of the movie. Hey, look, if it's any consolation, I forgot my reading glasses. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh right. Uh. All right. So we go back to Chicago and a local plumbing van shows Harry and Marv the wet bandits. Harry masqueraded as a cop to learn when families are going out of town and gain info on when to rob them, declaring the McAllister's house the silver tuna. It's got the it's got all the stuff that they want to rob. Yeah. Deciding to move now, they wake up a sleeping Kevin who manages to stop them by turning on a light. Now that's the thing I love, right? Looking back, it dates the movie because mm-hmm. they're sitting there. It's like they got VCRs, stereos, jewelry. Right. Right. <laughs> um, so you know this is this is the bit I will give Harry I give Harry and Marv more credit than I give the parents. Okay, they did serious intel on this street. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's the mark of a of a career criminal right there. They didn't oh, just yeah. walk in with a crowbar. They went in there and going, okay, this house lights are going on now. Them now, right these now. You know, right. so they, they they count on Christmas lights. Um, although they didn't do too, they did a great job of their of their research. Right, I gotta give them that credit. But they got stopped by a kid. T- but they got stopped by a light being turned on in the basement. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh-huh. Couldn't you put that light on a timer too? It wasn't as as prevalent as yeah. It is? Okay, yeah. that's fair enough. 
That is fair enough. Um, so when they touch down in Paris, so when the McAllister family touch down in Paris, right? She tries to get uh, in touch with anybody in the neighborhood, but she can't. Why? Phone line issues. Yes, we'll get to that here in a minute. Uh, she finally gets in touch with the police to demand a wellness check mm-hmm. after a bunch that of took mis- a minute. Yeah, after a bunch of miscommunication, yeah. which shows the competence yeah. of the Chicago PD. Uh, the police finally agree to send someone out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin, who's been hiding under his bed ever since the bandits tried to broke in, mm-hmm. ignores the wellness call. Yeah. Who then just, you know, write it off as, as a crank But who call. they don't announce themselves. No, they just, just... But then again, you know, he's a terrified eight-year-old kid on himself who just saw Old right. Man Marley. Right. The first time he saw Old Man Marley, and Marley looks at him mm-hmm. with his shovel in his hand and looks like he wants to kill him. Right. He's got that look on his face. Now, the first thing that they do when they touch down in Paris, what is the first thing that they do? That the family does. And they go to a payphone. Right. Now, apologies to the American audience. Do you know what the European stereotype of an American is? Rude. And loud. Mm-hmm. So, let's go back. What's the first thing they do is they get in Paris. They go to a payphone. Mm-hmm. They kick somebody off. They the kick somebody off yeah. a damn payphone. <laughs> yeah. Um, the police, God bless them, are just, like, stupid. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a John Hughes trope or not, because aside yeah. from... Uh, uh, I have no idea. Aside from the Breakfast Club, I have no idea um, because it's been so long since I've seen any of those movies. Um, but yeah, I'm not afraid anymore uh, that he runs and hides under mom's mm-hmm. bed for the rest of the night. But again, he's right. eight. He's allowed to do that. You know, it's just... But now the phone line issue. Now this is where I got a problem with it, okay? So she hands Leslie the phone book. Yes. Her, 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 her phone book because, again, you had to have right. Right context people, right. right? And says, just call anybody. Right. Call somebody. She tries to call the, the police while mm-hmm. Leslie goes off and calls people. The phone lines are down, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. What? When the phone lines are down, you can't get in touch with anybody. Right. There's no phone lines. You can't get in touch with anybody. You literally get, I'm sorry, you literally get the, I'm sorry, this phone is not in service message, right? All right. Leslie comes back, hands her the thing, and says, all I'm getting is a bunch of answering machines. All right. Now, pre-voicemail. Right. You had, you had to have a machine you had to have up a to conne- You had to have a connection. But I think that the dad was calling the people on the street and Leslie was calling other people that they knew. Right. Well, let me ask another question then. Why didn't they just call the house? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they called the house and said, Kevin, we're so sorry we left you. I'm, I'm coming back as quickly as I can. Uh-huh. Right. Roll credits. There you go. You know. So, I don't know. Anyway. Okay. So, after failing to get any kind of flight back to the States, because they're trying. Yeah, they're trying. I'll give yeah. them that credit. They are trying to get yeah. home. Kate's decided to stay at the airport while the family head into Paris to Frank and Peter's brother's house, knowing they will have a guaranteed flight three days from now. So, it's basically three days before Christmas. Yes. Now, that's... that's To be fair to them, I'll give them this point of credit. They do try and get home, and trying to get a flight out of Europe three days before Christmas... Right. ...is a pain in the... It's, it's, it's impossible. So, you know... All right. Day's over. Kevin wakes up. He All takes right. a shower. Mm-hmm. He decides he needs a new toothbrush. Then he splashes his face with aftershave mm-hmm. with the iconic moment. Yeah. Of, of uh, yeah. I don't want to talk about that. Uh, I'll tell you why here in a minute. Yeah. Um, so what happens is Kevin decides to be a good little human mm-hmm. and steals his brother's life savings. Great. Um, Inadvertently destroying his room in the process. Yep. Uh, so he's 
on the way to the drugstore. Mm-hmm. Notices that there's a, a, a plumbing van parked outside the neighbor's driveway. And he's like, well, hang on a minute. They're out of town. Huh. Right. You know, he's eight years old. He doesn't need to, you know, he doesn't put two and two right. together. You know? I mean, inside, Harry and Marv are literally destroying the place. Yeah, that's so sloppy, criminal-wise. I mean, just do what you gotta steal. There's no, there was no point doing all that. No, I mean, whatever. but not just, like, with the water. They destroy yeah. the house. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, it's just, yeah. Now, one, th- one thing I will say this, you know, he, he thought that, see, even I, as an adult, if I knew my neighbors were out of town, but I saw a plumbing van in their driveway, I wouldn't have th- been too suspicious of it. Yeah, maybe they're having repairs made that were already scheduled. That's why, yeah, they, they're yeah. going out of t- Hey, we need this repaired, and while it's being repaired, we're heading out of town. Right. So we're not in your way. All right. So I wouldn't, I would not have been, you know. Right. So. And so, and while Harry and Marv are, you know, cleaning out the house, Peter McAllister calls the house, I'm guessing by now that the phone lines are working, yep. uh, asking if they're home and to check on Kevin and look after him if possible until they can get home. Harry and Marv are ecstatic at this news and plan to return to the house that night. Now, so they know that the McAllisters are out of town, but they're listening to the phone call saying, you're listening to the phone call saying they're out of town. Now, they don't mention the Kevin's home yet, so that's a right. good thing not to leave on the answer machine because that's, you know, evidence. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. So, Kevin goes to the drugstore, right? Yes. And once again, he runs away from old man Marley, who he sees in town, because Marley gives him the absolute... It terrifies him, right? Well, yeah, that means he inadvertently shoplifts. Yeah. Because after trying to find out if his toothbrush was ADA (laughs) um, endorsed. Yes. Uh, I feel... Those cashiers would just stand there going, ugh. But, you know, now it says it on the package. Okay, good. I think this movie might have had something to do with it. Mine has something to do with that, yes. Um... So he runs off, right? Right. Now, how far away was this drugstore from his house? It's not like a couple of blocks. Because he walks over a train track. Oh, uh, well, it might have been... It might have been a little longer than that. It might have been yeah. like a mile or so. I would say a whole mile. But, yeah, I mean, you know, he had to go out of his little neighborhood. Yeah. Because I know that the church is right around the corner from his yeah, house. Yeah, true. Yeah. So, you know... So what happens was, right, he walks into, you know, he, okay, he starts heading in his neighborhood. Right. And Marv is flooding the Murphy's house. Yes. That's how they got their name. The Wet Bandits. The Wet Bandits. Right. Yeah. Harry and Marv argue about how stupid it is, which it is, because if they get caught doing that, it's easy to see which houses they picked. Right. <laughs> you know. Um, during their argument, as they're driving off the driveway, Kevin's in his kind of semi-catatonic state about being a criminal, and they are arguing, uh-huh. and... They all, you know, he literally stops the van, like, inches right. away from his face, right. which is another Kevinism with his scream, right? And, you know, he, he he walks over the van. The two guys are like, hey, Kate, are you okay? You know, Santa Claus doesn't visit the funeral home, little buddy. You mm-hmm. all right? You right. Know? And so he, he kind of calms down, and they look at him, and they go, okay, Kate, Merry Christmas, and smiles. Right. And that's where the gold tooth comes into play. Right. Because at that minute, Kevin instantly realizes... Something's up. Something's up. Because right. that was a couple week ago. Right. right. Or a couple of days ago. And now he's a plumber? Yeah. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Now, Marvo's Harry, hey, have you seen that kid before? And he's like, dude, I've seen a hundred kids. Right. Now, I would have thought, out of all the kids that you saw, the one getting his ass chewed out by his mother in front of the pizza guy... Would be one that would kind of trigger something. Yeah, but there were a lot of kids in that house, though. Well, yeah, and I know he's seen a lot of houses, but that's like, how many of those houses did they have a kid get yeah. tuned out in front of yeah. him with a pizza guy standing yeah. next to him, you know? 
Either that or Harv, or Marv, Harry really, Harv, you know, he really <laughs> saw, he did see over 100 kids. But, you know, they decide to follow him. And Kevin, Horribly, by the way. Horribly. They should have just let him go. And then watched, because yeah. it's literally... He's an eight-year-old kid. He's it's, not it's around the corner. Their trailing skills for criminals are absolutely deplorable. Deplorable. They, they, look, their recon skills, on point. Trailing skills, no. Nah. Suck. Yeah. All right. So, you know, they basically start following him, and he he's terrified, and he runs into a church's nativity scene. Uh, Harry and Marvel are like, you know what? We ain't going into that church, because they think he ran into the church. Oh, well, we'll come back later and do the McAllister's house. Right. Now, Kevin shows up in the nativity scene, whips off a hood, mm-hmm. and goes home, right? Yeah. Why didn't he just go into the church? Why the subterfuge of the nativity scene? Because he's eight, and he's not thinking things all the way through. Fair enough. Okay. You know. So, hoping to distract the bandits, right? Kevin decides he's going to organize, with quotes, a party at the house. Yep. Now different things that you see being used have already shown up like the mannequins that you see in the window if you notice um either the older sister or the mom yep. had a sewing space down in the in the basement yep. which you notice whenever kevin was doing uh laundry laundry so um oh, he just going down the sea and then laundry. right so the michael jordan cut out wasn't that in buzz's room that was in buzz's room right so there's all these different things that you've seen you know and he's pieced together um Michael Jordan right, to a train. Right, and so he's got a train, and, and basically, and he's he's all tied up to with rope to these things, and it makes it look like from the street, it's, this it's, place is hopping, it's hop, it's hopping, right? So he's got loud music going on, using cardboard cutouts and mannequins that are all around the house. Yeah. The bandits are confused, but leave for the night. They're like, no, right. The next day, Kevin orders a pizza and uses the video of Angels with Filthy Souls to prank the pizza guy, causing him to flee. Now, let me pause you right there. This is something that bothered me every time I've seen this movie. Uh-huh. And um, we're going to talk about it real quick. When they left, uh-huh. they ordered 11 pizzas, 12 pizzas, however many pizzas, not to mention all the soda cans and the milk that they had to throw in. it only had like eight pizzas in the beginning. It was like eight or ten, something like that. Yeah. There's no trash. There's trash. Okay, there's trash in the trash cans, but those trash cans are not big enough to house all those pizza, all boxes. Those pizza boxes. Maybe they have a recycle somewhere. Where? In the garage. But you'd still see some remnants of that trash. Okay, the reason I bring that up is because, like, the pizza guy comes in, delivers the pizza, leave mm-hmm. it on the doorstep and get the hell out of here. Um, <laughs> right? Cheap skate. Uh, but he dives over the trash cans, and they're all bagged up, and there's no... There's, there's at least six to seven days worth of trash in those things. No remnants of pizza, no remnants of the sodas, no remnants of the milk cartons that they used. Nothing. The milk cartons in the in the cans could be in the bags. Uh huh. But you, you know what I'm saying? It just it that's always really? bothered me. That bottle's always the, bothered the, me. This is the hill you're gonna die. That on? is a hill I'm going to die on. Okay. I'd expect better from Chris Columbus and John Heath to overlook that kind of that kind okay, of detail. Okay, so who who <laughs> is in charge of script continuity for Home Alone? Because obviously, my husband has a bone to pick with them. Uh, sadly, he's no longer with us. For script continuity, that would be John Hughes. He's the producer. No, script supervisor. I think that was also John. Hughes. No, that was not. It wouldn't have been. Oh, that person. That person needs to get back to school. Uh- uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> so, now, what what else is going on, dear? Okay, tangent on that one. Uh, so in Paris, mm-hmm. we're back across the pond. Back across the pond. Peter McAllister, to his credit, mm-hmm. is not just chilling at his brother's house mm-hmm. and you know passing shrimp around like Uncle Frank and having the time of his life. He is literally running his brother's phone bill through the roof, trying to get a hold of 
someone, anybody who can help him. I think right. he, I think he's on the phone with the like the embassy or some crap All like right. that. Yeah, he's doing whatever he can. He's doing everything that he can. While Megan and Buzz are discussing whether Kevin will be... Oh, all right or not. Megan is terrified and Buzz is like, you know what? Maybe the little twerp could use a couple of days by himself. See what the real Right. Like. Buzz is such a... Uh, so, Kate, however, is at the airport. Right. And desperately begging this old couple from Texas. She's trying to... She's trading her jewelry. She's doing buying them first class tickets. Whatever she can do. Just... To get on that plane. You take these, let me get on the plane, please. I'm begging you, right? And, you know, poor Kevin. He's eight years old. He just, yeah. You know, he's, he's upset and he's starting to, you know, he wants his family back home. Yes. He's had, every, every action has an equal opposite reaction. He's had two very, yeah. very difficult days. He wants his mommy. Yes. You know. All right. So, um, you know, we're, we're once again, it's a new morning. We're going through the same grooming routine. Uh, he heads back into town, does some shopping. Harry and Marv return. Wait, help me back up for just a second. This shopping trip, dude. Yeah. Homie busted out a coupon, got $20 worth of, like, got like five bags of the groceries for 20 bucks. Yeah. All that stuff is heavy, like the garden, the milk and all that stuff. And then he's carried it in like three bags. That's, that's. Yeah. Yeah, that's... I just want to know where you can go to get two gallons of milk and some uh, and a bottle of Tide for twenty bucks, right? And come up with change, right? <laughs> okay, so he does some shopping. Harry and Marv return, and they're confused as to why there's no evidence of a party. Marv tries to break into the house again, but is stopped by Kevin, who repeats to Angel's video and lights firecrackers, causing Marv to flee in terror. Oh, Somebody, I know that that seems a good one. Somebody gets a out. Marv and Harry decide to stick around, thinking that this was real. Wait and know who the person is and frame him for their crimes. So basically, I wrote that very, very bad. My apologies. What they're doing is they think that the, the that somebody's been murdered in that house. Right. So, so they're going to wait around and see who it is. So they can, that way they can pin all the robberies on, on the murder. Yeah. Yes. Wouldn't it be nice to put to have a face to answer their questions? Yes. The, the bit about it, though, is that he uses the firecrackers along with the machine gun. Yes. And Marv does the same thing that the pizza boy did the night before. Yes. And is terrified. So, Kate has traveled to Dallas. Mm-hmm. From, she's traveled to Paris, mm-hmm. to Dallas, to... Where the hell am I? Scranton. She's trying to get home to eight-year-old son. Uh, she's distraught, desperate to get home. And, and you know what? As she is a parent that she is, I can understand where she's right. coming from on this one. Right. Because, right? you know, whatever. She's so, desperate. So she she's freaking out at the airport desk, literally hysterics right now, right? Mm-hmm. And she's pulled aside by Gus Belinsky. Polka King of the Midwest. Polka King of the Midwest. A.K.A. Polka, John Polka, Candy. Polka. Yeah. They are also standing in Scranton and they're heading to uh, Wisconsin. Yes, and they've got to drive through Chicago to get to Wisconsin. So they're like, look, we're going to be in Wisconsin tomorrow morning if we drive overnight. Are you in? You want to come with? Now, to be fair to her credit, she jumps in a van full of eight strangers who play music. Yes. In the back of a U-Haul. In the back of a U-Haul. No, it wasn't a U-Haul. It was, yeah, it was. It was a budget van. Well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, <laughs> you know, so, I mean, that, that's, you know, she would have a home, they'd have a home the next day. Right. Now, let me pause for a second. We'll talk about this at the, at the end, at the end of this, but there's something I want to bring up here. Okay. Which I'll bring up here at the mm-hmm. end. So. Okay. So now Harry and Marv have slept all night outside the house. They fell asleep waiting to pin, you know, wait, waiting for somebody to come out of the house and they could pin everything on. Yeah. And they realize they've been duped. They've been had. 
So they loudly claim to come back at 9 p.m. to finish the job finally. Kevin overhears this and struggles with what to do. I mean, you know, he's eight. What what are we going to do? So he ends up talking to a mall Santa, wishing for his parents back, and then heads to the church. Now, they figure out, they figure this out by, they wake up and they see Kevin cutting Christmas tree down. Yes. I love, I'd love that to be able to cut trees down in my backyard for Christmas. But somebody's already beaten me to it. Uh, but at the church, mm-hmm. Kevin sits down in one of the pews and he looks over and approaching him once again is old man Marley. Ooh. Only this time he doesn't have the I'm going to kill you look on his face. No. He kind of has that, you know, that look of you've He's seen very me. very genteel. You've yeah. seen me a couple of times and, and you're running away from me. You're afraid. Are you okay, son? Kind of yeah, look on you, your face. Yeah, you don't have to be afraid. So Kevin kind of shifts over a little bit molly sits down and starts explaining his life story because right. everybody needs to explain their life story to a terrified eight-year-old yes right? but basically molly's story is that he's been alone in his house for many many years right uh he's got an adult son who's around about the same age as the McAllister, so mm-hmm. like late 30s early 40s mm-hmm. and they had a huge row fight huge, huge fight 20 or so years ago right so which would have been 1990 70 ish. No, it would have been uh, 60s, mid 60s. 20 years? 20, 90 minus 20 is yeah, 70. At least 20 years ago. Anyway. Okay. Late 60s, early 70s. Anyway. And he had a fight with his son, and his son's now got a family. Right. And the only way he can have a relation, he has no relationship with his, with his grandchildren. Right. But he knows, like, public events that they go in, and he just goes to these public events, not to reconcile with his son. So he can see his grandchildren. That way he can see his granddaughter do whatever right. she does. She is, he does. Right. He's not creeping around, but he's like, you know, he's part of the crowd. Right. Like, right. And he explains that he can't reconcile, he's scared to reconcile, because he's afraid that he'll lose... He lose what he has right now, which is right. not his granddaughter is this and happy. But Kevin points out that as a grown up, he should not be afraid of anything, right? Which is great advice for an eight year old. From right. an eight year old, right? But he also has a point of if he just sits there complaining, not complaining. If he sits there fearing that it's never going to change, it's never going to change. At least if he makes a phone call, he knows. Well, something. Yeah, some, he knows right. what the deal is, right? Right. So yeah. Yeah, so... They part as friends. Right, they part as friends. And um, Kevin decides to head home. Well, as he's... Again, the church is right around the corner from the house. So as, you know, he's starting on his journey home and he's rounding the corner, the church bells indicate that it's 8 p.m. So he's only got an hour to sort out how he's going to save his house. Yes. He rushes home and draws up a full color plan of how he's going to defend his house. Charts, graphs, everything. Yes. He spends the rest of the hour setting up a variety of traps designed to protect him and punish Harry and Marv, as well as cooking a light dinner of macaroni and cheese in in, in the microwave. He finishes all of this by 8.57. At 9 p.m., Harry and Marv arrive. They head around the back of the home, only for Kevin to shoot them both with Buzz's pellet gun. Now, this is the bit that's always bothered me, even uh-huh. when I was a kid. He, he took a sheet of paper, colored it, uh-huh. got everything that he needed... Uh-huh. Set it all up. Yeah. Was able to cook, was able to get home, do that per, do, uh-huh. do the picture, set everything up, and cook dinner in fifty-seven minutes. I mean, e- look, even Doctor Who is going there, going, oof. Uh, yeah, that's. Know. I mean, you know, time-wise, it's a little sketch, but 
I mean, if he's that diabolical, if he's that yeah. much of a uh, sociopath, it is possible. I still think Kevin McAllister is Jigsaw. <laughs> I, I, he is. He has to be. You know, so basically put, uh, Harry and Marv try and break into the house at the back door. They right. knock the door. They say, hey, we know you're there, kid. And Kevin shoots uh, Harry in the balls with a right. pelican right. and shoots uh, Marv in the face with a pelican. Yes. Right. Right. And that's not the only hijinks that goes on. Now, we're not going to go ahead and give every reaction, but we're going to go through every trap in order that right. they hit. So, it starts with... Marv falls down icy steps to the basement. Then Harry slips on icy steps at the front door. Trying to get up, Marv falls a second time and gets smacked by a crowbar. Yeah, Harry tries to go up the stairs a second time and he falls on his as well. Marv gets into the basement only to be hit in the face by a falling clothes iron. Yes. Harry finally climbs up his stairs, makes it to the front door, grabs the handle that has been heated by an electric barbecue. <laughs> that that kid, let, let me the kid has branded. <laughs> He's branded Harry with an M on his head. That's sick. Yes. So um, Marv tries to climb the inside of the basement stairs only to find out that they've been tarred. When he removes his shoes and socks, he is stabbed by a nail in the foot. I can't look at that. I, yeah, I, that, no, that I was... Can't, I can't look mm-mm. at that. So Harry, with a burnt hand, storms around the back of the house, yes. opens the door, and has his head burned by an antique blowtorch. Yes. Oh my God. Right? Marv storms out of the basement and falls on the icy stairs again. Because Marv is the, is, is the brains yes. of the operation yes. by the sounds of it. Um, Harry is... Like, I would be too if I just got branded and then burnt on the head. So he kicks the back door in. Uh-huh. And he's finally in the house. So yes. he doesn't get hurt this time, thankfully. Right. Marv makes it up the stairs and tries to climb an open window only to stand on a bunch of glass Christmas ornaments. And remember, guys, he's barefoot and yeah. already wounded Yes, and has tar on his feet, so all the glass is going to stick. Yeah. Ow. Yeah. John McLean, man, is watching this going, oof. You know? Right. <laughs> so uh, Harry finds Kevin in the dining room and he set up a, a, a more uh roadrunner trap in this instance it's a fan right. with a bunch of feathers and he walks into like cling film with glue all over it yes. so he looks like a chicken right uh <laughs> and then finally harry and marv meet up in the hallway and they ask what's going on kevin goads them into chasing him which they slip on a pile of micro machines do you remember micro machines yes i love micro machines. they're like really teeny do. tiny hot wheels so basically they stood on it and they did the whole wee, wee. smack right so that's, you know, that's that's innocent enough. That's slapstick, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, yeah? Uh-huh. Kevin taunts them some more, runs up the stairs, and they follow, right? Uh-huh. But he lobs cans of Dulux at them, yes. smashing them in the fa- Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, and then Harry loses his gold tooth. Oh, Yeah, Harry. schmack. So Kevin sets up a tripwire, calls the cops, claiming a robbery at the Murphy's house. Stop right there. Why didn't anyone call the house? If he can call out, that means people can call in, right? I don't... It wasn't in the script? I know. That's the point. <laughs> All right. So, uh, we did the tripwire. Harry and Marv finally make it up the stairs. Harry eats the tripwire and falls flat in his face, but Marv does the only smart thing he could do. He jumps over it and grabs Kevin's leg. And it looks like that, you know, it's going to be... Right, like he's finally got him. Yeah. Only for Kevin to catch Buzz's tarantula spider, mm-hmm. which has escaped his trash room, mm-hmm. and put it on Marv's 
mouth. Now, wasn't that reaction that that wasn't staged? No, I read. I I I read. I swear to God, I read this. Mm-hmm. Daniel Stern did not know that that was going to be a real tarantula. Mm. He thought it was going to be the rubber tarantula mm-hmm. that ends up on Harry's chest, if you notice. Mm-hmm. That reaction is more than real. Right. And you know what? My re- you know what? If that had happened to me, after wiping the poop out of my pants, right. I would have stormed off set. Right. You know? So Marv manages to get the spider off his face, and it lands on Harry. Marv then hits Harry with the crowbar. Because he's trying to kill the spider, so he right. smacks him in the chest with a crowbar. Right. <laughs> so Kevin escapes through the third floor, right? He manages to use a bicycle handlebar set as a zip line to cross a rope that he's made into his treehouse. Yes. So Harry and Marv decide, you know, the smartest thing to do is not to go through the funhouse again, which now all the traps have been exhausted. So it's right. kind of, you know, it's right. like going through a Skyrim dungeon the second time. All the traps have, 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 haven't reset yet. Right. So they decide to climb across the rope. Yes. To which Harry cuts with a pair of gardening shears and they smack face first into the house. Yes. So, so, Kevin is now running across the street to the Murphy's house, and he enters through the basement, but is caught by Harry and Marv. They are so angry, they threaten Kevin by saying they will do to him what, what he did to them. When Harry tries to bite Kevin's fingers off, old man Marley enters and attacks them with a snow shovel, allowing Kevin and himself to escape. Now, how dark is that scene for a kid's movie? Uh, yeah, it's dark. I have questions. Okay, so one, if old man Marley has been paying enough attention to know that some shit's going down, why didn't old man Marley step in and help Kevin when there were freaking blow torches going off his next door neighbor's house? For one, for two, um, isn't that where uh, the scene where we were talking about earlier, where Pesci almost yep. he literally almost bit yeah. Macaulay's hand off, finger off? Yeah, I think what happened was is the stunt shovel. This this is this is. Reading between the lines, this might not be what happened, but reading between the lines, because in the movie, he does put the finger in his mouth. And the, and the shovel hit him too hard and he accidentally... Well, they yeah. hit Daniel Stern first. See, yeah. the plan was you hit Marv first. Yeah. So Harry takes the finger out of his mouth and moves around, and then he gets hit with the shovel. Yeah. I think what happened is the stunt guy hit the wrong person in the first couple of yeah. takes, yeah. and he chowed down and yeah. didn't mean to. Now, either way, that whole thing is horrifying. Yeah. You take a kid, you put him on a meat hook. Yeah. And you threaten him with being burnt, flayed, beaten, and, and, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, decapitated. Yeah. That's horrible. Yes. So, you know, all my Molly manages to get Kevin to escape, and Kevin is watching out through his window as Harry and Marv are arrested from the cops that got called. From right. From the perfectly working phone line that nobody called. Right. Uh, they wave, you know, he waves, they get him in anger, and then Marv basically confesses to all the crimes that they did, except, you know, trying to murder a child. Yeah. Um, right. Because, and, you know, obviously, they're caught because they caught Rob in a house with the waters all on, so they know each and every house in the neighborhood that they have been hit. Now, this has always bothered me. Actually, no, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. That's actually a couple of scenes from now. I'll tell you the bit that's always bothered me. Okay, so now we're back to Kate. She's having a heart-to-heart with Gus in the back of the budget van. And she explains that she's not a bad mother. And that He's the... explained to her she's oh, not a bad right, mother. right. She thinks she is, and she, she is Right, a yeah. She's, you know, woe is me. And he's like, no, you're not a bad mom. And that the whole band have their own parenting issues due to their life on the road. Kate asks if they had ever left their children on a different continent. Gus tells a story of how he left his son at a funeral home along with the body. Kate decides to end the conversation. You know, kids are resilient. Kids are butts back, you know. 
he was fine when he started talking again after about right. six weeks. Right. <laughs> She's like, shut up. We just <laughs> I love that bit. Okay. So basically, Kevin sets up the home for Santa. So he's he, he cleans now. He cleans now. So he was able to get rid of all the carnage of the house, including glass. The, the tar. 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 Feathers. And uh, was able to take the barbecue thing off the door safely. Not to mention remove the paint cans without spilling any paint. Yeah. He missed the gold tooth, though. He missed the gold tooth because, you know, at the beginning of the movie, it's alluded to that he leaves his micro machines around everywhere anyway. So right. he probably thought that was a micro machine, just left it up. But how did he clean up the f- tar? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. So he basically sets the house up for Santa, right? He, you know, he straightens the house up. There is no evidence right. that the sole madhouse took place and heads off to sleep. And he wakes up the next morning devastated. Right. The house is still the empty. The house is still empty. But as the snow starts to fall down, as you see it out the window, you hear the sound of a truck engine mm-hmm. as a budget van pulls <laughs> away and Kate McAllister opens the door. And right. they have a very, very semi-tense moment before they're reunited as mother and son. Mm-hmm. Aww. Aww. And then like 20 seconds later, the rest of the family shows up. Right. So let me ask two questions, right? That budget van had windows in the back and the front. It didn't have windows in the back. I didn't have the windows in the mm-hmm. back. Okay. I was going to ask... Did she not? If they did have windows in the back, did she not notice the van that was following them? Like you know, twenty yeah, no, seconds. Yeah, no, it doesn't have windows in the back. Didn't the family notice her walking into the house as they pulled onto the street? Now, how did the family get there the same time as Kate? Well, they took that flight that was guaranteed to have them home in three days. Yep. So she spent all that money, all, all that, that time, and all that time where she could have been not relaxing. But like you know, not as stressed out with oh, her family. Oh well, I mean, at least she was. She spent her time actively no, she tried. trying. Yeah, she tried. But in all her journeys, it took her the same amount of time to get right. home as a night in Paris. I'm not saying like a night out on the town, yee hee, and everything like that. Right. But like they could have taken her to the house, gotten her as calm as they possibly could. Maybe had her dialing people, trying to get a hold of people, mm-hmm. and then left home in three days' time. Mm. to arrive 20 seconds before the rest of the family. Right. I don't know. Anyway, so they all ask, well, Kev, what went down? Oh, just hanging around. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And then what happens five seconds later? He's left alone in the hallway. Yeah, right. (laughs) Um, Yeah, (laughs) during his his time home alone in the hallway... Kevin looks outside to see old man Marley reunited with his family. This moment is broken up by Buzz, who is angry about his room being destroyed. Now, the, the Marley bit, I'm not going to lie, the Marley bit has me tearing up every time. Yeah, it's a good one. It's, it's a good one. But then it's destroyed immediately by Buzz. And Kevin! What did she do to my room? And I imagine I have to explain that one. Yeah. Oh, where's the spider? Nope. 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 Uh, okay, look, pl- look. I've I've given a little bit of grief about the plot holes and stuff like that because they are they are important when you think about them, not logically, but like mm-hmm. in the in the logic of that world, right? You know, right? Nobody phones the house even though they're phoning the neighbors, right? Yeah, it's 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 a lot of uh, even with all that, right? It's iconic, and I think it's an eight out of ten movie. I do seven out of ten. Okay, 
Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I can see. I mean, look, there are plot holes. When I was younger, I would have given it an 8 out of 10 or a 9 out of 10. Yeah. But as a parent, it's it's a 7 out of 10. And plus, you know, it, I mean, okay, look. it's a, it's a, I Take the plot holes out of it, right? I know we've poked fun at them, mm-hmm. but they really don't have anything that, you know... If, if they covered those plot holes, there would be no movie. Right. So, you know, I, I, I get that, right? And, yes, it is a tradition in the Connolly household. Yes. I mean, it was funny. And Kevin McAllister was a charming little sociopathic kid. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. And it does, it you know, it, it, it does hold our attention when we watch it. So, now, yes. The, 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 the iconic scene of the movie, right? The iconic bit of the movie is no more than 15 minutes long. And Oh, that yeah, shocked, with all the, yeah. yeah. That shocked me because I thought it was, not like I didn't think it was an hour of the movie, but I thought it was more than 15 minutes. Well, yeah, when you're when you're a kid, it it's, seems yeah. like all the booby trap part is longer, but it's really only the last quarter of the movie. Yeah. Now, I've seen some movies where you know where i've wanted to hurt family members i've i know some people who are horrible parents mm-hmm. the McAllisters are the worst family i have ever seen in a movie yes the worst yes absolutely like i would be if if i knew that family i'd be on the phone to chicago cps right they are hateful child neglect people is a form of child abuse yes and oh my god they abuse the about that kid I'm sorry, but they do, mm-hmm. you know? They they are grooming him to turn into Jigsaw. Yes. You know? Yes. Um, they did do another movie. Right. Which we will talk about next week, which I'll get to here in a second. Um, and then they made it a series. But after the first two movies... Yeah, we only count cast, the first two. I mean, look, this movie was made by Pesci, Stern, and Culkin. Yeah. Okay, but it, it's not made by anybody else. You can't put anyone else in those, no, in, in those positions, you know? Um, Even if you try to grab another Culkin. Yeah. But those movies were awful. Yes. I mean, it's like the Honey, I Shrunk series, you know? Yeah. And But there's a reason why I'm very, very hard on Kevin McAllister. Because when I was six years old, uh-huh. I had the big eyes. The, 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 the you know... The, the, the red lips, the, the, red the blonde hair. Lips, the blonde hair. And people would call me Mac. And I hated it. I hate it. The doctor would make me do the scream in his office when I would go to see him if I like, you know, I had a cold or something like that when my tonsillitis was acting. I hated that. <laughs> I oh, I hated that. You're, you know? I'm, yeah. My husband, ladies and gentlemen. So, my you husband. know, but I mean, I don't know, man. This movie, I love this movie, but the, it, this also rubs me up the wrong way when I put my thinking hat on. And two other words for you. I'm sorry. Three other words for you. F- Uncle Frank. Indeed. He's that kind of bully that will bully you. And yeah. T- he's, he's a gangster until a gangster walks in the room and then right. he's, he's a sniveling. Right. Yeah, I hate that kind of person. So that is Home Alone. Um, yeah, so what do you think of Home Alone? Let us know on our social media pages, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, everything like that. We are not done with Home Alone. We're done with Home Alone 1. Mm-hmm. But what is the greatest city in the world? New York. New York. And that's where... Home Alone 2 takes place. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be talking about that next week. Fabulous. So I will leave you on that note. Now, I'd normally at this point in the show, I would promote what's going on in the 90s Gamer series. But of course, 90s Gamer is taking a break until the new year. Yep. So we've only got podcasts and I've only ma- I'm have only i not going to go ahead and chop up and add music and stuff like that. So next week, we will be back. Yes. Talking about Home Alone 2 Lost in New York. Yes. And of course, check out BecauseMovieNetwork.com. Look us up Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram. And check out Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn, YouTube, uh, Podchaser, 
and Pandora. There you go. Yeah. I should have had Thank you guys that. for listening this week. We appreciate it. Yes, we do appreciate it. We will see you next week. And uh, happy Hanukkah to everybody who's listening. Yes. We'll be back next week. Bye. Adios. Because it's Christmas and we're talking about this, and every time you say "old old man Marley," ooh, ooh. <laughs> Marley and Marley, ooh. we're Marley and.